Good morning, J-Road. How are we doing? Peachy. Good word. Thanks, Tim, Bruce, for that TV. I know Jim's probably watching this live stream, and he's probably like wondering, where is the TV? And I probably would have heard it this next week. Like, Brian, if there was one thing I could evaluate on, where was the TV? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> this is my thing. My comfort thing is to play with this thing until I'm comfortable up here in order to say good morning. Okay, so, hey, uh, if you're new here, my name is Brian, one of the pastors on staff, and um, I'm, I'm excited to bring you uh, God's Word this morning. And uh, as we were just singing today, um, that's a heaviness weighed on my heart, uh, also an excitement um, just to, to bring you truth, to bring you God's Word, to bring you um, what God has in store uh, for you today. And, and my prayer, uh, which we'll pray soon, is that you will hear from the Lord. Uh, and, and lately at Jericho Road Church, we have been going through this series of in his image, right? In his image, uh, how uh, man and woman are operated, how God designed a man and woman um, uh, about sex, about sexuality, right? Uh, if this series... Uh, is not your um, bring your two-year-old um, don't put your muffs on them type series. They're going to hear some things. Um, I, I know they're going to hear some things from me today, uh, and it's probably going to be flirting on the line of, of rated R and TVMA, maybe. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> but that's what scripture is, right? Um, some of it is pretty graphic. Um, and as we go through this series of In His Image, we're going to talk about this graphic image of singleness. All right? Yeah. Singles. Um, okay. <laughs> and for you married folks, you probably think like, hey, uh, this is not for me. No, no, no. This is, this is for you. Um, you guys got to hear it. And so uh, you're probably wondering why I'm talking about singleness. Um, and, and Jim was actually is asked me, like, are you still passionate about singleness and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, okay. Because there's a few things why I, I really want to talk about this, why I think uh, we should talk about this, because I think the church doesn't talk about it enough. All right. Uh, single people, we see you. Right? God sees you. God loves you. You're not weird. Secondly, you are not weird. Okay. Just because you are alone, um, uh, and all that stuff, right? Because people tell you you are alone. Guess what? You're not really alone. You're, you're amongst friends today. Right? There are people who, in here who are just like you, who are in that same uh, season of life just like you. You are not alone. You are not weird. Jesus was single. One of the greatest writers in the Bible was also single. Okay? Um, thirdly, uh, because of this word cohabitation, I hate it. Cohabitation is dumb. First and foremost, it's really dumb. To try it before you buy it type stuff, that's just dumb. The statistics of marriage already are 50-50, and if you cohabitate, right, the statistics go even further than that. Studies show, according to National Marriage Project, right, if you cohabitate, 
if you try it before you buy it type stuff, right? All of that is, it's all about finance and sex. I want to see if we're compatible. Guess what? If you're a dude and a guy, you are stinking compatible. It's going to fit. It's going to happen. That's what you were designed to do. But you cohabitate, the likelihood of you getting a divorce is very high. Just a few reasons why I'm super passionate about this. Because single peeps, you guys got a big decision. You're not forgotten. And you could do a lot for the Lord, which we'll get more into in West Michigan, uh, the culture here, uh, since my wife and I moved, because we're from the East Coast, and if you're 18, it's nor- you're 18 and dating no one, it's normal. If you're 25 and dating no one, it's normal. You're 30 and not married and trying to be successful, it's normal. But some, for some reason in West Michigan, around here, if you're 18 and you're not dating or, on, or have anyone with you after high school or something like that, the trajectory of you getting married dips pretty low, right? The pressure here for some reason to get married young is really high. I'm not opposed to getting married young, only if you're, you understand what it's for, only if you're doing it in honor of the Lord, that I got full support of that. But for some reason when we're in this West Michigan culture, at least here at Jericho Road Church, if past 18, you're not dating someone, the chances of you being single are, are, are pretty, pretty high. Um, it was not until I, we moved here that I saw people getting married out of high school. That was foreign to me. Uh, and so a lot of the reasons why I, I want to talk about this, because I'm sure if you're 25 and not dating, 30 and dating, or 40 and dating, you've feel some type of way. But again, I want to remind you, God sees you, we see you. We're 50. If you're 50, dang. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, man, I just, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I also want to just speak on this message because it's next to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior as being one of the biggest decisions of your life, this is one of the second biggest decisions of your life. Your spouse who you're going to marry, okay? And for the married peeps and the single parents peeps, this message is also for you. All right, married peeps, I'm, I'm going to come at you in, in a few minutes, okay? Uh, because there's a ton of dysfunction that single peeps get to watch, all right? And they're married. But let me get into that later. Um, but before we go any further, let me just pray, and then we're going to get into some scriptures. I'm not a big topical preacher guy. Verse, I'm usually uh, a big chunk of scripture. Let's go to, through it verse by verse. But um, God was just pointing out these scriptures that really relate to this topic of, in his image, uh, singleness. So uh, but before we go any further, let me just pray for us and just ready our hearts. God, this morning, um, I know you see there's a little anger in my heart. There's also a little boldness and, and just a carefree, let, let's, let's get going type thing. Uh, I pray, Father, that you will use me to speak your word. And I pray for every single person in here that you will soften their hearts to hear what you want to say. 
God, your word, it cuts through the, through the heart, cuts through the bone and marrow. And I pray that it does that this morning. I pray people will leave here convicted yet encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's get into scripture, Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. My wife and I love to talk to each other, okay? Um, I know that's not the case for everybody, but we like to talk. Uh, we like to, in particular, we like to talk about the things that we learn, right? And my wife has been learning a whole lot of stuff about nursing stuff, mental health. Uh, she's also learning a lot about biblical, uh, I, I struggled with this word. Uh, there are certain words I just have a tough time saying, femininity. Yes, okay, femininity, right? Biblical femininity. You think I'm weird, but I just... I have put a lot of pressure on myself to say that word. Um, and, and in this book, uh, it pointed out this specific scripture of God making a helper fit for man. And um, we were just talking, as we were talking, she started talking about the Hebrew of it. I'm like, dang, girl, you, you a scholar now? Uh, but she started talking about the Hebrew of the word, what it meant, and all this stuff, what God is saying in the Hebrew, because the English language doesn't give the weight of what helper means, right? And uh, the word there is called an easer, okay? The word there is called an easer. The, the Hebrew word there, it means essential counterpart lifesaver. And if we read that scripture with that word, God says it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an easer, an essential counterpart, a lifesaver fit for him. When we read this verse in its context, right, you think about marriage automatically, which rightfully so. But when you really look at that word of an essential counterpart, what it's saying is that, man, God is an easer. God is an essential counterpart. It's not just this man and woman. God is the easer. God is the essential power, uh, counterpart. God is the person who is the lifesaver. So why is this important, okay? Because when we read this verse, I just don't want you to think about husband and wife. I also want you to think about the Lord because this is in all of Scripture, throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, you will see this word of easer, an essential counterpart, a, a lifesaver. It's being attributed to the Lord that God is the lifesaver, Right? When we were made in God's image, we were made just like him. We were made in the image of him, just like an easer. But the ultimate easer is God and God alone. Let's read some scripture really quick. In, uh, in the Psalms, it talks about God in this military term of being an easer. In Psalms 146, it says, Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Right? Blessed is 
He whose easer is in God, whose hope is in God. He is the essential counterpart. Let's keep going. And the in Psalm 33 says, "Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our what? Easer. He is our help and our shield." Next scripture, he says, "Behold, God is my what? Essential counterpart. He is my easer. He is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. You are my help." In Psalm 70, he says, "You are my easer, my deliverer. Oh Lord, do." not delay. Single piece, man, I, I don't want you to think you're alone because you're not. I want you to get this through your heart and your skull that God is your essential counterpart. Though you don't have a wife or a husband, God is your essential counterpart. Not only is God your essential counterpart, the community around you is also your easer. He is also, those people around you right now, those are your counterparts. Those are your lifesavers right now in your life and this season and time. You know, when God created Adam, right, he didn't crea create him because he was like, oh, man, I don't want this dude to be alone. But in God's mind, he said, I don't want him to be alone because I am building my people to be in relationship. And in particular, he builds, uh, he creates a woman for the man, but also at the same time, the reason why the church is important and this community is important is because we are an easer to those who are single. Why do you think friendships exist? Because friendships is an essential counterpart. They are lifesavers. In college, I, I made some really good buddies. Um, but when I think about my friendships, right, uh, I look back and I, I think about the friendships I made uh, when I was in youth group and all that stuff, I still keep in contact with those people. Those guys get me. They get me on a different level. Yes, my wife gets me on a different level and a more intimate level, but also there's these group of guys that I still connect with now, now and then, and it's just like I just never left. Why? Because that easer was established while I was single. And I, I understood, like, man, I just don't need a spouse. I need friendships also. Um, guys, the reason why I'm really laying this groundwork um, is because, again, I don't want you to believe in the lie that you need a spouse to complete you. I don't want you to believe in a lie that um, you need to have sex. It's a lie. You don't need to have sex. Sex is not ultimate. Sex is not ultimate a part of life. Marriage is not ultimate. That is not the goal for as to why you exist here as a follower of Jesus. The goal is that you glorify the Lord. Right? We'll get more into that about the law of attraction and all that stuff, but I want you as single people to understand that you are worthy of love because God died for you. You are worthy of love because there is a community around you who wants to pour into you, who wants to love you, who wants to, uh, them to, who wants to get to know you. And I also want you to know, 
right? That you are not lonely, okay? You might feel that, but that's also a lie. That God is your easer, and God will use others to be your easer also, to be your essential counterpart. So let's get really get into this uh, singleness, all right, is a straight-up gift. I know you sound, you hear me say that, Brian, you're married and all that, but, but it is, okay? Um, here's why, right? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament uh, by God's inspiration in 1 Corinthians 7, addresses the church uh, about fundamental truths about marriage and about uh, unmarried people. Uh, and Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I wish that all were as myself. Um, I, sorry, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of, uh, one ki- one of one kind and one of another. Um, Paul was a single dude, okay? Uh, Paul was a single dude, and he says, man, I wish everyone was just like me. I wish everyone was just like me, um, and here's the reasons why. He explains why he wishes he was single, because in the next few verses, starting in verse 28 in verse, uh, chapter 7, he says, But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if you are betrothed, uh, if you, a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Hey, I wish you were just like me. I wish you were single just like me. Because you know why? If you want, desire to be married, look, there's going to be trouble coming. He goes on in verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man uh, is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married woman, uh, married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. You get married, you're going, you're going to be worried. That's what Paul's saying. Marriage, anxiety. You don't got anxiety, you're going to get anxiety. You know why? Because you are marrying an imperfect person. I never struggled with anxiety or worry until I married Janine. <laughs> right? That's literally what Paul's saying. Your significant other is the source of your anxiety. I wish you were still single. He goes on, right? And his interests are divided, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But a married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. You know why Janine is extra worried? Because of me. Right? Man. In verse verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Single peeps, singleness is a gift. It's a gift. I will continue to explain why. uh, Because here's the reality of marriage. It's hard. It's really hard. I speak from experience. I'm sure married people here will speak from experience. Okay? Literally, every time Janine and I travel, there's a fight. You know why? Because of me. And because of her. I'm not going <laughs> to let her go on this one, right? You know why? Because Paul says you're going gonna to be married to someone. You're going to get anxieties. You're going to be worried. It's going to be hard. 
You know why? Because you're not worried just about yourself anymore and the things of the Lord. You're worried about your wife and your future kids, and you're worried about finances. You're worried about, man, did I please my wife physically, emotionally, spiritually? Did I lead her well? Was that, was that stake overdone or what? Right? You start to worry about the dumbest little things. Did I leave the toilet seat up? Is there poop under there? Right? When I was single, right? When I was single, I was not worried about that stuff. Not until, again, not until I met my wife and someone told my wife, he said, yo, you got to control your husband. There's pee on the seat. I had no care in the world. Single peeps. I need you to understand, marriage is hard. It's not just good, it's great. It really is great. But it is really, really hard. Because it shows you how stinky you are. How much you just suck. There are weeks where I'm like, man, I failed so bad to be a husband. And I have to go to my wife and ask for forgiveness. You know how much humility that takes? Vice versa. Communication, I'm not good at it. You bring someone else into it, man, it makes it extra hard. I need you to understand that marriage is hard. It's good, but it's really hard. That's the reality of it. Again, I'm not trying to deter you away from being married. Because being married is a good thing. It really is a good thing. Because Paul says this in verse 35. I just want to really highlight that. He says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraints upon you, but to promote good order. Because as a single person, you have undivided attention to the Lord, undivided devotion to the Lord. But Paul's not dumb, all right? He knows guys and girls, they, they, they're attracted to each other. Right? They, the reason why I'm married is because I was attracted to someone. Right? The reason why I'm married to Janine is because, guess what? My body was telling me something else. Right? My mom was telling me no, but my body was telling me something else. And you know what? Here's what Paul says. Look, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, um, all right, towards a virgin woman, uh, if his passions are strong, all right, do I need to explain what that means? If his passions are strong, right? If his sexual desire, if his sex drive is really strong, if his attraction is super strong in his body because that's how we were built, he says it has to be let him do as he wishes, let them marry, and it is no sin. Look, you find a fine honey. This is what Paul. This is what Paul says. Go marry them. And here's the thing. Paul is talking about the context of marriage, the context of a Jesus-loving community. Not outside a Jesus-loving community. He says, "Look, if you find, dude, if you find a hot-looking woman that you think is super hot and you are attracted and she loves Jesus and you want to provide for her, pastor her, protect her, go after it." And girl, if you find that dude you're attracted to and he wants you and he wants to lead you, pastor you, protect you, and provide for you, don't play no games. Go get married. Y'all like each other. 
Do it. As simple as that. It's all over Scripture. He says, look, if you find someone and you are attracted and you both love Jesus, what are you waiting for? I knew I wanted to marry Janine the moment I laid eyes on her, you know why? Because she was serving in youth ministry. I knew she loved Jesus. Her character and her aroma and her reputation were really good. And you know what? I said, man, I'm, I'm going after that. If she said no, then it would have been a different story. But she said yes. Right? And this is what Paul says, man. Look, if you're single, you have undivided attention to the Lord. Take advantage of that. If you're single and you find someone who's on the same wavelength as you, go after it. Men, if you're single and you find a girl that you like, make a dang move. That's what Paul says. And girls don't play no games. When that godly man comes after you, he's going to come after you. Singleness is a gift. Um, I was single for, what, 27 years? I include my baby ages, right? Uh, 27 years. Um, and there are three things I really learned during that time. Um, and the three things is contentment, community, preparation. Contentment, community, preparation. If you're single, please take some notes. Um, singleness is a gift because you learn contentment. In 1 Timothy 6, it says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you and say, hey, if you're content with the Lord, okay, when you're content with the Lord, God is going to give you a spouse. Now, God never promised that. Okay, God never promised that. But during my time as a, a single man in college, in high school, whatever, right, um, I, I did it all right. I, I want you guys to know I didn't, ha I didn't have sex before marriage. I didn't uh, do all that stuff, right? I didn't cohabitate. Uh, I, had one, I had one girl before Janine who I thought I was going to marry, okay? And then I met Janine, right? Um, but during this time, there was a lot of heartbreak. There was a lot of learning stuff because you know why? I said, God, I'm not going to do this, 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 so that you're going to give me this. Right? I was trying to be manipulative to the Lord. Um, you know why? Because I put marriage and sex on a pedestal. And during this time of singleness, what God was teaching me was contentment. Real quick, if you're dating here, um, and you do have a ring on it, in my mind, you're still single. You're a few words away from being single. But you're also a few words away from being married. All right? Just because you're engaged, this is not locked down. It's part of being lo almost locked down, but you're not there yet. So listen up. All right? Contentment. Um, I, I learned this. I had to learn what it is to be content because as a single man, I had plans. I had a lot of plans. From the moment... Um, I feel like from the moment I was born and heard about marriage, I wanted to be married. I, <laughs> I know that sounds super weird here coming from a guy, but that's what I wanted. I wanted to provide for my wife and all that stuff, um, but it was really selfish. I lived for it. 
You know what was my God? What became ultimate in my life? Was marriage. Was the idea of marriage. The idea of having three kids and a house. The idea of me being the sole provider. The idea of me being God to my wife. And God was saying, bro, what are you doing? Why are you putting marriage on a pedestal? And there were a series of things God put me through. And he said, look, you got to learn contentment. And I, I think I've never really shared this with Janine, uh, which I, she's going to hear now. Uh, but when I first got in, in that relationship in college, when I was in that relationship, right, and it got broken off, it broke me. Okay, and during that time was a one, <laughs> was a time I learned, man, God cares for me. Marriage is not all there is to life. And during that time, God sent people around me. God sent easers around me. God sent me a community around me just to really help me and encourage me and understand what marriage was for because it's not just about sex. It's not just about providing for your family and all that stuff, but it's solely, right, to glorify God, to make much of his glory, much of his gospel it's about sacrificing for your wife so that the gospel can be seen. It's about a wife sacrificing for his hu the husband so that the gospel can be seen. Marriage was not about me, but it was about Jesus and his glory. And there was a certain point in that time where I said, God, thank you for these people around me. No matter the outcome of my life, I want it to be pleasing to you. And I said, God, if you want me to be single, then let it be. Because why I'm on this earth is to bring glory to the Lord. Why Jesus was on this earth was to bring glory to the Father. And in that moment, God was teaching me contentment. You know why we have to learn contentment? You know why I had to learn that in that moment? Because Janine is no longer my ultimate goal. She's not my God. She's not the reason why I live. She's not the reason why I just want to be a good husband, though she is secondary. God showed me, man, your spouse is not going to bring you that contentment. Only him and him alone. So going into marriage, right, going into marriage, I... Janine was not God anymore. My future spouse was not God. And I pray that same thing for Janine, that I cannot give to her what God can ultimately give to her. I give her, give her something in some ways, but God is the ultimate person who can give contentment. And if you're single, that's who God is right now. He's that ultimate person who can give you contentment he is the essential counterpart. Janine is essential counterpart to me, but she is not the ultimate essential counterpart. God is still there. So learn contentment. What that's going to look like for you is probably going to go through a different series of things. It could be easy, it could be hard. But during my time in being gifted with singleness, I learned contentment. Second, community. Be in community. Please be in community. As a single person, uh, right, 
You have so much time. Man, you got mad time. Time to play video games. Time to go work out. Time to make a three-hour meal. Probably, you guys probably don't do that, right? But you have time. But as a single person, your sole focus, you know who your easer is? Yes, it's God, but you have a ton of easers. And here's the cool part about being in community. They could tell you things that you can't see. Here's real quick. Um, community. There's advantages to being in community. So here are the three. Real quick, you could have a friend that is a girl and a guy. Once you're married, having a girlfriend that you confide in, bro, you emotionally cheating. But as a single person, it don't look weird. You could have friendships who are girls and guys, and you could literally connect on different levels spiritually, emotionally, right? And not physically, but that's not all there is to it. Being in community and friendships, it's good. It's good. Being single is the time to develop and establish your easers. Look, once you are married, your friendship list dwindles really close, really, really small. When I was single, if you look back, I look back at Janine and I's marriage, right? We look at our friends, and there was probably 12 people behind us on each side, okay? Because we developed that easer, that established those counterparts, those guys and women who were for us. But when we got married, it dwindled really, really small. Now there's only a few people we connect with. Being married, your friendship list, I'm sure friend, married people, you could, you could attest to this, your friendship list is probably like two people. Seriously. That you could really confide in. Single people, you got a lot of people you can, can, can confide in. It's an advantage. Take advantage of that because that could lead into your marriage. Second advantage. When you start dating, and if you start dating, you got people to tell you if the dude is a turd. <laughs> if you start dating, you got people to tell you, dude, if the girl is a you-know-what. The advantage of being single and dating and being in community, you got people to tell you, man, that dude is not good for you. Not only is he not good for you, he is not good for the world. Right? The thing is, if you make marriage ultimate and someone tells you that guy is not good for you, you won't hear that because you are not content in the Lord. But if you are content in the Lord and you start dating in community, you're going to listen. You're going to understand, man, man, this, this dude loves Jesus. He has a good reputation. One of my favorite books in the Bible is actually Song of Songs, and it says this in Song, Song, Songs of Solomon 1-3. Uh, it says, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name, is, your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. All right. The advantage of being in community right, is not only that you get a ton of friends, but you also have a community to tell you 
man, this dude, please just stay away from him. He's a phony. He don't love Jesus. The advantage of being in community, guys, is that you got girls to tell you, that girl, stay away. Please. For your body's sake, for your mind's sake, stay away from them. Being in community is good. If you don't want that input, you're not content. The chances are your heart is not content in the Lord. But being in community, you got people to tell you if some dude and some, some girl has a good reputation. Single people, please, please use your community around you. Ask your mom if this guy is a good guy. Ask your dad if this guy is a good guy. Ask a trusted dude that you respect and say, man, is this dude a good guy? You know why, you know why guys can sniff out guys? Because guys can sniff out guys. Girls could do the same thing. So be in community, date in community. When you start dating, be around people. Uh, the funniest thing, one of my favorite parts when I was dating Janine was being around our friends. Right? I knew that my friends liked Janine when they started to make fun of me. I know that sounds weird, but they started to make fun of me. They started to tell Janine all the dirt that I had. They started to, uh, also, they also started to talk me up, but yet bring me down at the same time. But they were just, they were just pumping me up. But at the same time, they loved Janine. They said, Brian, I think you found the one. And vice versa, I started hanging around Janine's friends and her friend. I, I, Janine always tells me this question. She asked this one dude and I said, what do you think of this dude? And the guy said, he's a good dude. I said, ooh, right? <laughs> You know, and that moment, right, it pushed our dating relationship further and further with the end goal of marriage to glorify the Lord. The beauty of being and dating in community also is that it does not get physical quickly or it does not get physical at all. I told my friends, I said, bro, I need you to tell me and ask me and say and just ask me this question. Hey, are you staying six feet apart from your wife? or future wife, or your girlfriend? Are you doing anything that is against the Lord? Right? They ask me legit questions. Hey, uh, have you kissed your wife? Your wife, she's my wife now, but yeah. Uh, have you kissed her yet? Have you done anything dishonoring to the Lord? What? You know why? Because dating community kept me accountable to the Lord and made me please the Lord. It helped me push further, okay, uh, to my relationship with the Lord. It drew me closer and closer in trusting in Him and making Him my ultimate person. So date and community. Friendships, you're going to get them. Secondly, Date in community because people can sniff out if this person is good or bad. Thirdly, um, intrude on godly marriages. This is going to lead into that, that second, that third thing of preparation. Um, intrude on godly marriages. As a single person, you could intrude on godly marriages. Um, when I was in college, you know what I did to prepare for marriage? I invaded other people's marriages. I went to their house. Obviously, they were clothed. They invited me. I know I'm going to use the word intrude uh, because I said, hey, can I come over? 
can, can I just come over? The reason being is because there were some marriages I said, man, I aspire my marriage to be just like yours. You're doing it right. I aspire to treat my wife just like you are because you are treating them like a queen because that's what Jesus does. As a single person, you can intrude on any marriage you want. As a single person, you could see all the healthy marriages and you could see all the unhealthy marriages that you don't want to be part of. As a single person, you could see what you want. You could be picky. And you know what? I don't want you to fall into the lie of, man, you're too picky. You're, you are too picky. That's why you're not married. Be picky. It's one of the second biggest decisions of your life. That has a 50-50 chance of you ending in divorce. So be picky. And you know what? You want that statistics to go lower, that your marriage will last longer or forever. Be around. Intrude yourself on other healthy, godly marriages. You know, I have the advantage of, of working with Jim. I have the advantage of that. Um, not the greatest boss. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a great boss, um, right? And I have the advantage of asking questions. How did you and Nicole do this? How did you guys deal with this? I'm having, I'm, I suck at communication. How can I be better for Janine? I have the advantage of having a brother-in-law who, who loves Janine and I, and I could ask him and say, man, you know, I'm struggling here. Well, like, what, what can we do? I have the advantage of having a brother-in-law whose father is a counselor, and I could say, and actually Janine and I went to marriage, uh, had a marriage counseling seminar. You know why? It's because our marriage wasn't bad. It's because, man, I want to learn how to communicate with Janine better. Right? Single people, be around those people who want to learn and want to love their wife and want to just be a functional family and not a dysfunctional one. There's too many around here. In this world, there are too many. And so married people, I'm going to just talk to you for, for, for a little bit. Is your marriage one that can be followed? Is it one that exemplifies the gospel? Do you treat your kids well? Do you treat your wife and your husband well? Can a single person come into your house and say, man, I want this. I want to be just like you because you are following the Lord. I love the way you just exude the gospel to your spouse. And if, if that answer is not a yes, why not? What are you married for? What is the point of your marriage? Because marriage is not for you. Marriage is to glorify the Lord and him and him alone. Marriage is to point your wife to Jesus. Marriage is to point your husband to Jesus. Can the single people intrude on your life and see that it is healthy and is one to be aspired? Single people, your time, right, to have friends is now. Your time to date within community is now. And your time to start preparing and intruding on marriage is now. Uh, when I was single, 
before uh, Janine and I got married, I was reading books. Um, I was going to conferences. I was asking questions, um, all of which I already forgot. Right, the moment I got married, I forgot. <laughs> but, right, some of the stuff started to come back. But look, as a single person, if you want to be married, be prepared. Or you want to pass the test, you're going to study. So you want to be married and be a good husband, be prepared. Study scripture, ask people, be around good marriages. Okay? And, and married people, if, if a single person wants to come into your house because they look up to you, please let them in. Please let them in. That changed. God used all the marriages that I had been around to change how I lead Janine. I fail a lot. So does Janine. I'm not the only one failing in this, right? <laughs> okay? So does Janine. But we can be around marriages and say, man, we messed up. What, what can we do? So please, let single people into your lives. Let single parents into your lives because they want to see how you parent. All right? And real quick, um, if you let a single person intrude on your marriage and you got kids, you got child care for life. All right? Um, Janine and I offer ourselves to the healthy marriages that we're part of. You know why? Because we love their kids because they let us intrude on their life, on their marriage, and we want to say, man, can we just take care of your kids? Uh, my brother-in-law and sister, they trusted us enough to take care of their kids on their first day of school. It was crazy. <laughs> Feeding them random things. <laughs> but, right, that you get free childcare for life. Um, so please, let single parents, let single people intrude on your marriage married people. Uh, let me leave you with this last one, last thing. Um, one of the final things I learned, which is not going to be up there um, as a single person, is where my identity lies. Before I was married, I had an identity crisis. I was worthless, blah, blah, blah. Um, but during that time, during that gift of singleness time, uh, the Lord was showing me who I belong to and who I am, and that nothing can take that away from me. Um, my identity as a single person lied in the Lord and in, in the cross. That I am a child of God, that I am his son. And to this day, as a married man, I am his child, I am his son. And to this day, as Janine is married to me, she is a daughter of the Most High King. And we remind ourselves of that, where our identity lies. She's not Brian's husband. I'm not Janine's. Um, she's not Brian's wife, right? And she's, she's and I, whatever, you know what I mean, right? Uh, but I could remind her and say, man, you, your value, I value you because the Lord values you. Your identity lies in the Lord, and I can't take that away from you. Uh, let me end with this quote. It says, This happiness is not found through finding a soulmate, but through finding satisfaction in a loving Savior who has called you his own and made you his beloved son or daughter of the King. Single peeps, be in community. Learn contentment. Be prepared. Married people, let the single parents in. Let the single people in. Let them see what the Lord is doing in your marriage. We need more of that. Let's pray.
God, thank you for um, just this morning. Uh, I ask that this will push those who are seeking a spouse to, to just let God be the easer. Let God be the essential counterpart. And I pray um, for those who are married that this pushes them to take a single person under their wing, a couple who is desiring to be married under their wing and keeping them, keeping them accountable and saying, hey, how are you guys doing? Um, God, the beauty of Scripture is that it's practical. Um, it's not always just cutting to the heart, but it, it, it's, it's also practical. And I love that about what you have done in your word, Lord. And I pray that we take these practical steps and we put them into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.